I wanted to take time out this episode to take a step back and to explain a little bit about who I am, why I started the podcast, and to give thanks. Thanks to all of the listeners, everybody who's given the podcast a chance and uh, has really helped um, establish 1990. It's really helped uh, grow in popularity in such a short period of time. I'm completely overwhelmed and I am thankful. I, you know, I have over 100 streams since starting the podcast. Cold, no name value. Um, you know, I didn't come from, uh, you know, another podcast, a more popular podcast. I didn't, um, you know, it's not like I had a following in the world of politics. And for me to, uh, you know, for, for me to be as blessed and as fortunate enough to have people who have given the podcast a chance and who you know, listen to the podcast, I I just want to say, I just want to take time out to say thank you and to uh, encourage people. If if it's content that you feel it's, is uh, valuable and, and not only uh, information, you know, not only uh, people who agree with me, but people who may be on the fence, uh, people who disagree with me, I encourage, I encourage you to spread the word um, and to continue, you know, uh, continuing the dialogue and to uh, share the videos, you know, to, you know, share, uh, to spread the word and, you know, growing, growing the podcast is, um, I think it's, it's the next step. And I just, I wanted to spend time um, just going off the cuff and, you know, this is not a prepared speech. Um, this is just me, uh, you know, speaking from the heart and, and speaking about how, uh, grateful I am speaking to the listeners and people who have given a chance, given the, the, the podcast a chance and, and I've gotten really cool feedback from people and, I'm just completely blown away um, by it. So, you know, if uh, if, if the, the, the content in any way interests you or you feel as though it's um, something that's valuable, whether you agree or whether you disagree, it's, it's not, you know, necessarily the point. Um, you know, I don't want to create an echo chamber, so... If you, uh, you know, even if you disagree, I encourage you to uh, share the video and I encourage you to, uh, you know, spread the word about the uh, about established 1980, the podcast. And, um, you know, so that we could continue to create a healthy dialogue and the exchange of ideas is the goal and the end game. And it's always been my goal in the end game, not creating an echo chamber. So 
Um, you know, I just want to, again, thank everybody that's given the, the, the podcast a chance. Um, I also want to let, let you guys know that the podcast is available on a lot of different platforms. I don't think a, a lot of you uh, know this. Um, you know, we're, we're um, you know, available on Apple Podcast. Uh, we're available on Google Podcast. We're available on Spotify. We're available on Breaker, uh, CastBox, Radio Public, Overcast, and Pocket Casts. And uh, I'm actually floating around the idea of putting content on YouTube, you know, and, and um, you know, putting all of the podcasts uh, on YouTube because I'm looking to eventually, um, you know, create, pump out more content. It's uh, it gets kind of difficult uh, pumping out content, you know, like the, the way that I want to pump out the content because I work full time and it's just a hassle running around and, um, you know, getting what I need to get done, working a 40, 40 hours a week and then, you know, having to, um, you know, sit down and record and it's it could be uh, a hassle sometimes, but I, uh, you know, will be in the next uh, up, upcoming weeks within a week, I would say I'm going to start, um, you know, pumping out more content, uh, which means that, you know, the, the episodes may be a little bit shorter. You may not have as many uh, 50 minute to uh, 45 minute on average uh, what I was doing before, you're not going to have as many of those episodes, those long block episodes. Um, you're going to, uh, it'll probably be 25 to 30 minutes. Um, and it, it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of highlighting not so much uh, what is going on on a day to day basis, but it's uh, going to be, you know, just from uh, an overview of what's going on throughout the week and my breakdown of what what's happening in the world of pop culture, what's happening in the world of uh, politics. And uh, I'm very excited, like I said, I'm very excited. So again, uh, spread the word, um, you know, uh, I'm, we're, you know, Established 1990 is the, the name, you know, the podcast name and uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Breaker, CastBox, uh, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast. Shit, I'm not even going to lie. I, <laughs> a lot of these I don't even know. I mean, I know Spotify. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I just uh, found it to be, um, it's just a trip to me. I'm, I'm completely <laughs> like, wow, you know, this is really cool. I found my podcast on uh, Spotify. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, that's how you know, that's how you know I made it. I made it. So here you go. Mama, I made it. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Of course, I know these, um, you know, podcast sites. These are, you know, popular sites. But um, yeah, so I encourage again for anybody to um, reach out to me. Um, you know, I have uh, many different social media accounts. You can add my personal account. 
Um, I'm, I'm actually looking at uh, creating a show, show account, Instagram account, a show, Twitter account. Um, so, but for now, I mean, you could add me on um, uh, Twitter. You can add me on Instagram. My Instagram is uh, jrig24. Um, you can find me on, on Instagram. Like I said, um, you can um, add me on uh, Twitter you, or follow me on Twitter. Excuse me. I don't use it as much, but I, <laughs> I'm looking to really uh, up my, um, my Twitter usage. So you could add me same, same handle, jrig24. Um, you can find me on, on, um, on, um, on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I, I, I fully encourage, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm, I fully encourage people to reach out. Um, you know, I also encourage people if, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, email me. Um, I have a, an email account uh, that, uh, you know, you can reach out to jrig24 at outlook.com. Uh, um, I check that periodically as well. Uh, any questions, any, any comments, um, you know, I will read those comments. You leave your name, I'll, I'll read those comments on the, the next episode. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting content. So, you know, I encourage people to, to do that, to, to reach out to me again, it's jrig24 at outlook.com uh, to send whatever, um, you know, whatever mail you want to send, um, you know, and I, uh, you know, encourage people to add me on my social medias, uh, my Instagram again, jrig24, um, jrigg24, and um, Twitter, J-R-I-G-G-2-4, same, same handle. Um, so with all of that being said, I wanted to transition, I'm going to transition into a little bit about me and a little bit about my inspiration as far as starting uh, the podcast, Established 1990. Now, it's important to note that it is, it's been a, an interesting, an interesting journey into how I ended up um, having the interest in starting the podcast. And it all starts with, I think it really goes back to uh, about 2008 for me. And 2008 was a pivotal year for me, not only a, a year where I graduated high school, class of 08, I um, voted for the first time, well, Barack Obama, legendary, a legendary election, an election that, uh, you know, decades from now, the same way that uh, you know, older generations, you know, where, where were you? And, you know, uh, when, when, uh, uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated or, you know, how old were you? What were you doing? Where were you at during nine 11? All of these pivotal moments, where were you during D day? If you were alive, 
all of these pivotal, pivotal moments in history and what defines a generation. And I look at 2008 and I see that as a pivotal uh, moment for not only myself politically and just coming of age, coming into adulthood, essentially, but also for other people who are of my generation or, you know, one would call millennial. Right. It was a pivotal time for us in the sense that. This is a, a, a young candidate, a young candidate of color, eloquent, well-spoken. And he comes on the stage and he's, he's grace, graceful. And he speaks this, this language of change. So for me, just like many, many young people around the, around the country, we were beaten down. We were tired of the old regime. We were tired of, you know, George W. Bush. And we want to change. Here, this young guy, this young guy of color, he was 40-something when he ran in 2008. This young senator from from uh, Illinois. Here he is running for for president, running for the presidency for, with a name called Barack Hussein Obama. And it just he was the, the perfect person to galvanize me, myself and many other people, um, you know, young, uh, many other young people. I think, you know, with his uh, 2008 run, you had more young people coming out to vote than any other uh, president in the, the um, I guess, the, in the near uh, past. You know, I, I can't go back. I don't know, you know, if young people were voting in the early 1900s, but certainly within 30, 40 years, you had one of the highest uh, youth turnouts. You know, people, um, you know, 18 to whatever, 32 or 18 to 30, that demographic coming out and, and, and voting. It was a, uh, a monumental, historic moment, you know, when, when Barack Obama, Obama finally won. And I think for me is when I came of age and I really started paying attention to what was going on in the world of politics. Before that, I vaguely knew what was going on. But under George W. Bush, I was a teenager and I was just like any other teenager. I was in high school. <laughs> you know, I worried about girls. I worried about playing basketball. I was on the basketball team, playing football. I was on the football team at um, Bergen Catholic High School, if any of you guys are from New Jersey and know where that's at, that's up uh, in North Jersey over in Ordell in Bergen County. So I was just like any other teenager. I kinda knew what was going on. I had an idea what was, what was up, 
you know, you would hear certain things on the news and you would hear um, certain um, rhetoric and, you know, you kind of knew vaguely what was going on and, and you know, 9-11 happens and then the invasion in Iraq and of, of uh, the invasion, you know, the Afghanistan invasion and um, the eventual overthrow of Saddam Hussein and, um, you know, Hurricane Katrina and the Great Recession. And you heard some of the big things, but I wasn't following it on a daily basis. I, I kind of went about my, my life and that's what it was. And, you know, forget it. Before that, you had Bill Clinton. And I really, I was real young under Bill Clinton. You know, throughout the 90s, I was, I was real young. But it was really during that period, that 2008, 2009 period, where I really started to gain an interest in politics and figure out, figuring out what was going on. So... You could say that the, the, the spark, maybe not, you know, the, the idea of, oh, let's start a podcast, but the spark of interest in what would later become established 1990 was kind of cultivated in that 2008, 2009 period. And as time went on, I became very disillusioned. And, and in a sense, disappointed. Now, it wasn't so much disappointment in the sense that, you know, oh, big shocker, politician is lies or a politician overextends themselves and, and gets into office and doesn't uphold their, um, you know, campaign promises. I knew that even from a very young age that that's the name of the game. You say whatever you need to say to earn the votes. But I was disappointed in the sense that, you know, this is our first representation, a president of color, a president who is, um, who, you know, is, is very intelligent. There, I think there is no, absolutely no denying that, you know, whether you love him or whether you hate him, the guy is a very smart person. He's a very articulate, very intelligent, very well-spoken and just from an, an um, aesthetic perspective, never being caught in any major scandals, personal scandals, he was, you know, a, a great representation of of what it meant to become what it meant to be president. But I became disappointed because it was. <clears throat> His presidency was very much run-of-the-mill, and it was, in a sense, kind of Republican. <laughs> when you look at a lot of his, his policy, yeah, I mean, is was he as worse as Donald Trump is now? No. Was he as worse as George W. Bush? No. He ran... You know, I don't even think he was as bad as, say, like Bill Clinton, per se. Um, Bill Clinton was very right wing. And when you look at, um, you know, is um, the continuation of the tax cuts for the rich and a lot of his um, his financial and um, policies were very much geared towards Wall Street. 
NAFTA and you know it went and it was all under his presidency that that those policies took form but Barack Obama it, it's not so much that he didn't uphold his so-called campaign promises it was the fact of when he ended up running or excuse me when he won he went and it was just sort of like a Republican. It was a continuation of George W. Bush, except not as, as, um, as, uh, I guess, super right wing or, you know, not as incompetent. It was a continuation of the drone, uh, strikes. It was an, a ramping up of war in, you know, other conflicts. In, in the Middle East that we got involved in under Barack Obama. It was, um, you know, an actual, I say continuation, an actual increase of drone strikes, I should say. You know, let me backtrack and say that, an increase of drone strikes compared to the George W. Bush. Uh, you know, a uh, hardened stance on whistleblowers, right? Chelsea Manning, a whistleblower, you know, Edward Snowden, another whistleblower, the NSA uh, spying and him take, uh, making light to the fact that, you know, the uh, American government is doing something illegal. You know, they're spying on people. They're reading people's emails. And to the extent that they're doing this is highly constitutional. And they don't want you to know because they know that it would be an outrage. Uh, Barack Obama continued a lot of these 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 policies, you know, um, the Patriot Act, which enabled NSA to continue to spy on its citizens without reasonable cause. So, you know, looking at the the totality of it, as time went on, and you know, you became sort of disillusioned um, as as time went on. It was a real disappointing situation for me because, you know, this was the first time in my um, history or, you know, in, in, you know, me as a person, I'm following, I'm figuring out what's going on. And it was like a loss of innocence for me because I'm like, damn, <laughs> everything, it's just the half measure with Brock. You know, everything is, is very neoliberal. And you had a lot of people that defended him. You had a lot of, you know, Democrats. You had a lot of people who, you know, were left-leaning that defended him. You had a lot of people of color that defended him as well. And it was difficult for me because in one respect, I do see, you know, you did see um, the Fox News crowd, right? The people that would make little um, or to not even little, but... You know, the, it is, I, let me backtrack. I find it fascinating how the right wing loves to talk about fake news. Uh, you know, nowadays, Donald Trump, it's almost like a catchphrase. Fake news, fake news, right? Oh, the, the mainstream media and fake news. Not Fox News. Oh, Lord, no, not Breitbart. Not, you know, he ain't talking about, you know, Infowars. He's not talking about, 
you know, when he talks about media and fake news, he's talking about BuzzFeed, he's talking about Vox, he's talking about the Huffington Post, he's talking about the New York Times, he's talking about the Washington Post, he's talking about CNN, he's talking about MSNBC. That's what they're talking about. And I find it funny that, you know, Barack Obama, under his term, there were a whole lot of conspiracy theories and there was a whole lot of prejudice and racism attached to these conspiracy theories. That whole birther movement had everything to do with, with Barack Obama in his name and, you know, oh, he's half Kenyan and it had everything to do with that. Oh, you know, he's not born here. He became president illegally. And it was Donald Trump who had it, who was the main, uh, you know, head of that whole birther movement. If that's not fake news, I don't know what is. So I just find it very ironic that, you know, that somehow, some way the right wing has victimized themselves and made themselves out to be uh, victims about fake news when under Barack Obama's term, you had a lot of that. You had more of that going on. The, the, the birther movement. Oh, you know, Barack Obama, he's, uh, he's uh, from uh, Kenya. He's not an American citizen. He wasn't born here. So, you know, he shouldn't become, he shouldn't be president. Where's his birth certificate? Okay, his short form birth, birth certificate, he presented that? Well, it's, it's forged. You know, or, you know, let me see the long form birth certificate. Oh, long form birth certificate, he released that? Oh, he must have forged it. You had people, you know, towards the end of Barack Obama's term on the right that still believed that he wasn't an American citizen. He was um, a, um, you know, a Muslim. He was a part of the Muslim Brotherhood. And, you know, these are the, the, the types of conspiracy theories that the right wing perpetrated against Barack Obama. So, you know, you had a lot of people of color who were very protective of Barack Obama and rightfully so in those situations. But the problem was he became protected no matter what he did. So, you know, if he's increasing drone strikes, I'm anti-war. I'm only in favor of war, you know, uh, in principle when, uh, you know, uh, in cases of self-defense. So not only is he perpetrating the war in the Middle East, but he's continuing and he's ramping up in other, you know, other conflicts in other countries and the overthrow of Gaddafi in Libya. And, you know, this is all involved, you know, in a, a continuation of the war on terror. I'm not going to sit there and, and just poo poo it and sweep it under the carpet because you have a bunch of idiots at Fox News and Breitbart and. And you have a bunch of these morons and bigots and racists who who try to smear his name for stupid reasons. There is legitimate reasons to criticize Barack, to criticize Barack Obama and, you know, criticizing him because he wears a tan suit or criticizing him because he eats pizza with a fork and a knife or criticizing him and saying, oh, well, he's a he's a Muslim brother uh, brotherhood. And, oh, you know. Uh, Barack Obama perpetrated uh, Sandy Hook so that, you know, guns can be taken away or, you know, all of these these conspiracy theories, real fake news that were never founded. No one ever apologized on the right. None of these these public these news publications and I put it in air quotes ever reneged or apologized or none of that. Yet, you know, it, it, 
it's still important to, to hold the president and to hold our elected officials in general up to a certain standard. So as time went on and, you know, Barack Obama was reelected again and going into 2014, 2015, and I saw the way that guys like Cornell West and, and um, you know, more so Cornell West, how they were kind of, um, you know, in this, this space where they were, you know, Cornell West is a prominent, um, you know, um, political pundit, black activist, where you had other black folks and other people of color who kind of came at his neck and, uh, you know, basically insinuated he's an Uncle Tom and, you know, how dare you criticize our president? And I'm just like, I, I want to hold every president accountable. I don't care if he, you know, happens to be black. If, if, you know, a black president or a female president or Hispanic president or a Muslim president gets into office or any elected official and the American people are overwhelmingly in, not in favor of continuing the war in Afghanistan or continuing the war in Iraq and popularity numbers is as low or lower than the, the lowest in, in um, at the lowest of the uh, Vietnam War and the height of the Vietnam War, which is all fact, you can Google it and you're continuing and you're ramping up and you're getting into more conflicts in the Middle East and you're increasing drone strikes and, you know, it, it's, you know, continuous, um, you know, kowtowing and, 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 you know, money and weapons deals with Saudi Arabia and, and, and Israel as they continue to oppress the Palestinian people and, and you know, taking land and, and constantly, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, taking, you know, uh, more and more land from the original borders that were set into place in the 1950s uh, or 1940s towards the end of um, the tail end of World War II. It is important to, for, that, for that person to be held accountable for it and to be criticized and to be called out for it. And I felt sort of like, I felt bad for guys like, like him. But I found, you know, guys like Cornell West, Dr. Cornell West. And I found myself sitting there and saying, I'm not trying to be contrarian to be contrarian. I have a certain level of, of um, knowledge and information. I'm not saying I'm an expert. Never, never said that I was an expert or that I was a, um, you know, I'm a, you know, deep political scientist. But when you see certain situations, I have a, a, a core belief system. And I don't care if it's the, the, the Democrats, I don't care if it's the Republicans, I don't care if it's another progressive candidate, another, progr another progressive, um, uh, you know, politician. I don't care if it's a conservative politician. What's, what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. You know, when, when Donald Trump was on the campaign trail and he was talking about nobody's going to die under my watch, you know, everybody's going to get health care. Nobody, you know, we're, we're, we're going to make sure that everybody gets care. That's a universal, he's advocating for a universal system. Period. You could try to spin it any way you want to spin it. He's advocating for a universal system. So 
I'm in favor of that. I don't care if philosophically, uh, you know, 85, 80% of or 90% of what he said on the campaign trail, I disagreed with wholeheartedly. And I'm like, dude, I have data here to back that up. The fact that that's not true. That's li you literally made that up. It's false. You know, talk about fake news. That's fake news. Right. But I can call a spade a spade, even if a person I don't necessarily agree with personally or that I like personally, it doesn't matter. I can still call someone out, you know, when, OK, I agree with that. Like that. That's a good, good policy point. Good point. And I saw a lot of times and I still see it. It's this groupthink mentality. And it really becomes counterproductive in, you know, when it comes to getting stuff done. You know, let the right wingers be that way. Let the right wingers fall and, and, and you know, um, you know, well, yay, team, yay, and, and fall into that groupthink. But progressives, I, I don't think we can afford to fall into that. And we we fell into that under Barack Obama. You know, and then, you know, fast forward, 2016 happens and Hillary Clinton loses the presidency and Donald Trump becomes president and it ramped up, it ramped up and I'm just sitting there and it became aggravating to me because it wasn't about, you know, the fact of, oh, give Donald Trump a chance because he said a lot of ridiculous shit on the campaign trail. It's about having a core belief system and not changing that core belief system. So not getting pissed off when Barack Obama drone strikes a particular area or, you know, drone strikes Syria and kills women and children and just calling it, well, what can he do? And then getting upset and pissed off when, when Donald Trump does it and willing to march in the street. Okay, philosophically, I agree with that. I, I don't believe in the idea of collateral damage. And, you know, it, we really need to examine what our tax dollars are going towards. And, you know, are we really creating more terrorists over in the Middle East by bombing innocent women and children and innocent people who have nothing to do with the conflict? That That's a legitimate question. But, you know, I want that same energy when Barack Obama is doing the same thing. I want that same energy. And I, I don't want that energy only, you know, when when you someone you don't like personally. So. I say all of that to say that that buildup that, you know, that disgust, that that agitation where, you know, the, the, the you know, in the wake of the Russia hysteria and oh the, you know, the Russians, they bought our elections and the. Um, you know, the ooh, Putin and, and, and Trump and Putin has a PP tape of Trump and, you know, P Putin is uh, Trump is Putin's puppet. And, you know, this whole hysteria from the so-called resistance. It just it disgusted me. Because my course of action was always. What are we doing? You know, it, obviously, the goal is to win the uh, win the house back in 2018 and to win the um, the 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 presidency in 2020. This isn't the way to do it. 
Hysteria is not the way to do it. Finding good candidates, uh, finding people, candidates that people can get behind, encouraging young people to vote again, advocating for appropriate policy points. These are things that, you know, galvanize people. So I got so fed up. I got so aggravated that I just was like, listen, I need a platform. I need a platform to to talk about these things because I I just feel as though within, you know, so-called the resistance in the media and and I, you know, I don't know if I would consider myself media, but I guess, you know, I'm putting out content and, and and talking about, you know, articles and so in a way I am a small part of that. It's I I see too less of that of the um the the true uh here is my um my philosophy, and I'm going to stand by my philosophy. I don't care who says it. I don't care who advocates for it. As long as, you know, my philosophy is being advocated for is, is I'm going to go for that. And not falling into the trap of, well, you know, I'm just going to grasp at everything and throw everything at a wall just to get this guy out of here because I don't like him because he's a scumbag or he's a bigot or because he's a this. But instead, um, finding alternative measures and, you you know, you don't have that. Majority of the the so-called resistance, the so-called media, is advocating. It's it's all about, you know, Russia. It's all about, um, you know, can we impeach the president, which that's not going to happen especially, you know, with a Republican-controlled House and a Republican-controlled Senate. and a, That's not going to happen. So, you know, nice try, right? So it's just a whole lot of, you know, like, you know, worrying about the wrong things. And I just wanted to be another voice to not only being somebody, a man of color, a, a millennial, a young person, and I wanted to be able to have the outlet and the, the conversation, to broaden the conversation, to steer the ship in the right direction. Because the, the way things are going now, it, it's not looking good and it's not looking promising. And, you know, there's um, not as, as much galvanate, gal, galvanizing um, amongst young people. You know, uh, people talked about the blue wave. You know, I, I saw a study on Vox not too long ago, I forgot who did the study, but it was uh, Vox that covered it, and they said 28% of millennials um, were definitely going to vote in the uh, midterm elections. 28%. 28%. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? That young people are not being galvanized and they're not being... Um, Um, inspired so that is the overlying reason why I wanted to start establish 1990 it was a way for me to um, you know talk to you know other people around my age Um, it was a way for you know, other people who may not be around, you know, in a millennial or what have you to 
um, you know, hear what, you know, what the actual uh, millennial positions are um, on a lot of uh, key political topics. Um, and it was a way for me to ultimately, I think the most important thing was to just vent because I just see so much stupidity and nonsense and I'm just like, I just feel powerless and I felt helpless and I'm like, I, I, you know, I have a voice and maybe if I built up a following, if I built up, um, you know, over time that, you know, maybe, you know, I can wield some influence and, and we can, you know, really steer this ship right. So, you know, this is, this is, was the, the, the motivation for me, you know, this was the motivation for me. So, you know, looking, looking at it now, um, I'm glad that I've, I've started it. I'm glad that I've, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've gotten the feedback that I've gotten. Positive feedback, even feedback, things that I could improve upon and get better at. And, and here I am. Here I am. So it's uh, it's one of those things. So, you know, again, established 1990. Where I'm on Spotify, we're on, you know, Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Breaker, we're on CastBox, we're on Radio Public, we're on Overcast, we're on Pocket Cast. Spread the word, spread the word. And, um, you know, I'm going to, we're going to continue on. We're going to, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll be okay. Eventually, you know, it's, it's, I, I truly believe I, I keep a positive attitude as, as bleak as it may seem. I always, in the, in the face of bleakness, I always try to keep a positive attitude. Always. Always. 